You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the breakfast show of the Voice of Islam with myself, Ali Ahmed. The time is uh, three minutes past seven. It's Friday, the 18th of August, 2023. As always, we have a very interesting pro- program uh, this morning. Uh, the breakfast show is an interactive broadcast. It means that all our listeners have the opportunity to join in any of the discussions taking place during the course of the program. All you need to do is to pick up the phone and dial 0208-687-7878 and share your thoughts with us. Alternatively, you can tweet us at the Voice of Islam UK. Uh, there are uh, a variety of different subjects that uh, are going to be explored this morning. Uh, so do take a plunge and uh, make contact with us on anything that has stimulated your interest. Uh, in a few uh, minutes' time, we'll begin with the rundown of the weather before going on to examine some of the news stories that are uh, doing the rounds these days. won't be spending too much uh, time on each. Um, just try and rattle through uh, as many as we can in the first half hour or so. Anyway, as mentioned before, uh, you can have your say on any of the issues that uh, we may be discussing. The uh, number, I'll give that again, is uh, 0208-687-687. 7878 and the Twitter handle if you want to use a more modern method of communicating is Voice of Islam UK. Now those familiar with the show would know that uh, we uh, usually in fact almost always uh, pick two uh, key topics that we dwell a little more on uh, and uh, spend <coughs> spend time uh, spend time on and uh, so uh, this morning, we're going to be uh, starting off uh, looking at the issue of alcohol consumption. That will be uh, something that will uh, <coughs> uh, occupy us for the first main topic. Uh, forbidden in Islam, of course, is the consumption of uh, alcohol for good reasons. And research after research is uh, revealing the harmful effects of this uh, practice of consuming alcohol. And one extensive study uh, we'll be looking at uh, this morning uh, suggests that it raises blood pressure. Uh, drinking alcohol may raise blood pressure. This is the title of our first subject. I'll give that to you again. Drinking alcohol may raise blood pressure. Um, and we'll be exploring this with the help of our listeners. So do feel free to call in and share your thoughts on this uh, on this particular topic. And as far as the second uh, main topic is concerned, well, we'll be reviewing one aspect of the damaging effects uh, that man is imposing on the environment as a result of his behavior. Um, Scientists predict a collapse of the Atlantic Ocean current to happen mid-century. So that uh, forms the second uh, title of uh, our main subject. And um, uh, what this is, this uh, concept of Atlantic Ocean Current uh, and how it could affect is something we'll be discussing uh, in the latter half of the program. uh, program. And we had the pleasure of speaking to Professor Carl Wunsch on this uh, subject earlier. And we'll be sharing what he had to say on this in the 
and that part of the program. Uh, Professor Munch is uh, an associate in Earth and Planetary Sciences at Harvard University. Uh, his interests have ranged over much of uh, physical oceanography and its geophysical uh, linkages, including internal waves, tides, the ocean uh, uh, mesoscale, and uh, mixing processes. So, um, a very well-informed individual, uh, the professor certainly is, and we'll be um, uh, seeing what he had, or learning what he had to say uh, during the discussion we had uh, with him earlier. Um, and as always, we'll have the Islamic point of view on all that we discuss throughout the course of the uh, broadcast. So without uh, further ado, let's go straight to the weather and news after this uh, short interlude. Don't go away. <laughs> You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show, the Voice of Islam with me, Willie Ahmed. The time is, uh, well, uh, just gone 8 uh, minutes past 7. It's Friday, the 18th of August, 2023. As mentioned before this short break, uh, we will be going to the weather. The weather, well, as far as the BBC website is concerned, is going to be turning overcast today with a few showers developing from the southwest by late morning. Showers continue through the afternoon but become patchier and lighter later. Um, so we did have some good weather a couple of uh, for a couple of days uh, gone by. So I suppose that's the extent of our summer. Uh, now it looks like uh, the autumn uh, is uh, pressing uh, on us and we are going to be suffering from showers as far as tonight is concerned. Uh, it's expected to start mainly dry with the cold or odd clear spell. Later showers or spells of rain, heavy and sundry in places, will develop. Uh, turning drier late with clear uh, spells and it's going to be breezy. So that's what we have in store for us um, as far as the weather is concerned. Uh, regarding uh, news uh, items that uh, we can share, well, um, one uh, interesting uh, story that caught our eye was uh, reporting the Times, um, and it's regarding Kellogg's and other cereal uh, manufacturers. Uh, they're under fire over packaging. Uh, packaging of unhealthy cereals that attract children are being condemned by campaigners who are now urging the government to ban companies from using um, these images. Uh, so images like uh, Cocoa Pops, Monkey, the Frosties, Tiger, and the Nesquik Bunny have been particularly targeted. Uh, I hope I'm not spo uh, spoiling your breakfast uh, this morning. Uh, but I think it's, a, it's an opportune uh, story to share. Uh, and um, uh, the reason behind uh, this uh, initiative is that uh, one of the charities, Action on Sugar, based at uh, Queen Mary University, uh, analyzed 
This is Queen Mary University in London. It's analysed 133 breakfast cereals with packages designed to attract children. Of these, only nine, nine out of 133, were low in sugar. Some, like Frosties, contain as much as three spoonfuls of sugar in just a 30-gram portion. Uh, Dr. Kothar Hashim, who led the research, said it was ludicrous that food companies could market cereals with excessive, and I quote, excessive amounts of sugar at children. And she said, given the soaring numbers of under 18 suffering weight-related health problems and tooth decay being the leading cause of child hospitalization, now is the time for companies to be forced to remove child-appealing packaging. And Queen Mary University's Zoe Edwards, who is a nutritionist, said there is no reason why products with high or medium levels of salt or sugar should be marketed as suitable for children. In the defense, Kellogg's claim that they have been aware of the issue and had worked hard, and this is a quote from them, they've worked hard to reduce sugar in their cereals since 2011. In those cereals, they say, uh, um, uh, it, um, in those cereals, they say, that were aimed at children, uh, they have reduced sugar by 36% and salt by 37%. So that's uh, what uh, is being said on behalf of uh, cereal manufacturers. I'm sure uh, others like Nesquik uh, and uh, other manufacturers would have uh, their defense, but uh, this broadly is what is being uh, presented by Kellogg's, that they are doing what they can uh, in uh, making cereals more healthy than they have been in the past. Uh, Islam, of course, has a worthwhile teaching when it comes to food, uh, advising that we should eat, but not exceed limits. Uh, it can, can be argued that foods that are high in sugar or salt contravene those very limits expressed by the Holy Quran and should be avoided. Um, there was uh, 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 this, when it comes to eating and when it comes to healthy eating, uh, there is recently um, quite a lot of uh, coverage being given, certainly in the, in the print media uh, and certainly in the Times, um, about this uh, new drug that is going to be tackling obesity uh, and uh, help weight loss. Uh, it has been welcomed uh, by uh, the NHS because, uh, well, uh, I say NHS, I would say that um, it's welcomed by officials um, because uh, it is a drug uh, that will is thought to reduce, will reduce the pressure on the NHS. Obesity, remember, is very much the cause of many illnesses that emerge from heart disease uh, and diabetes. And it is thought that this drug can reduce this by as much as a fifth, 20%. Uh, the drug Wagovi, uh, and in a trial involving more than uh, uh, 17,500 overweight people found uh, when used, uh, that um, those with a history of heart disease were significantly less likely to suffer from serious or severe cardiovascular problems, including death, over the subsequent five years compared to those on conventional treatment. 
And when I was mentioning um, officials uh, earlier, what I meant was people like Steve Barkley, our health secretary. And he's uh, uh, very um, buoyant uh, over this uh, this news, very, uh, very optimistic. He says the next generation of obesity drugs have the potential to help patients lose significant amounts of weight and reduce obesity-related conditions, helping ease pressure on the NHS and cut waiting times. But it's vital they're used alongside diet, physical activity, and wider behavioral uh, support to help minimize weight regain. And I think that last um, part of um, his pronouncement, I think, is, is telling I think, uh, and uh, and something that uh, needs to be acknowledged that uh, it isn't a drug that is uh, should be considered to be used on its own in uh, tackling obesity, but it should be something that be, should be used alongside other methods, and uh, some would suggest better methods uh, in. Um, reducing weight loss. Um, Martin Holst-Lang, he's the executive uh, vice president of Novo Nordisk. Now, Novo Nordisk are the manufacturers of this uh, so-called wonder drug of Agovi. Uh, uh, he says, people living with obesity have an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, but today there are no approved weight management medications proven to deliver effective weight management while also reducing the risk of heart attack, stroke, or cardiovascular death. Uh, one can imagine that the simpler option, and this is what I'm, uh, I was alluding to earlier when uh, dealing with uh, Mr. Barclay's quote, the, the simpler o- option would be to educate people about keeping a healthy weight. Uh, but I suppose in a free society, one has to recognize the limitations of expecting results just through education. Uh, Dr. Simon Clark, senior lecturer in physiology at the Anglia Ruskin University um, st- said that similar reductions in cardiovascular risk were, uh, and uh, this is a quote from uh, Dr. Clark, he says there were uh, that uh, similar reductions as uh, obtained by Vogovi uh, were unattainable for most people living with obesity through diet and exercise alone. This would not only provide significant financial savings for health bodies, but provide uh, people with a greater quality of life. So a multifaceted approach is uh, what is needed to improve the nation's health is uh, what he is saying. And a part of such a multifaceted uh, approach is to use drugs uh, that maintain weight loss. And it is a drug, uh, drugs like Wagovi, it has to be said, that you have to take for life because uh, the weight apparently goes right back on when you stop taking it. Um, so it is uh, something that you're saddled with uh, throughout your life. I suppose one of the um, aspects uh, that uh, we can draw from this from a religious point of view is the discipline that uh, Islam offers through the um, practice of fasting, fasting for one month, uh, day in, day out, over 30 days, where you train yourself to abstain from food uh, for a whole month and it teaches you to uh, respect food, I suppose that's one way of uh, expressing that, and to be able to um, control uh, one's um, hunger. Uh, And that is something that if 
it is then applied uh, throughout the year, then uh, certainly it can uh, uh, contribute uh, to weight loss uh, and uh, not uh, be something that uh, would require you to uh, rely on drugs like Wagui. But uh, not everyone can fast, and uh, not everyone has the same ability to withstand the temptation of eating uh, during uh, non-Ramzan uh, weeks. So I suppose Wagui uh, will still have its role in those uh, in those circumstances anyway uh moving on uh if you have uh, anything to say that you want to share with us that uh, concerns uh, the items that we are covering uh, currently or later on in the course of the program then please do let uh, us know just uh, pick up the phone call 0208687 is the number and um you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, one other story before we go th- uh, to a very short break is um, this uh, particular item uh, regarding uh, this, that, that barge. Uh, some would say the infamous barge now. Uh, it's the Bibi Stockholm. Uh, it was meant to be uh, an indicator of how serious the government was on its migrant policy in stopping the boats. Remember, uh, our Prime Minister's five pledges, one of them was to stop the boats. These are crossings that take place uh, between France and the um, English coast uh, that bring uh, migrants to our shores. Now, it was allegedly thought that to house asylum seekers, uh, or these migrants, in uh, such accommodations as a barge, instead of hotels, would act as a disincentive for people, uh, disincentive for people to make the journey to uh, our shores. But uh, the initiative has fallen flat on its face. First, there were uh, concerns expressed by the two Dorset MPs associated where, with where the barge is going to be located off, uh, the, uh, off Portland. Uh, but the numbers uh, that uh, they were um, complaining, or these two MPs were concerned about the numbers that could be lodged, around 220 uh, rather than the 506 that the government was anticipating. Uh, this was due uh, to fire risk. So they were seeking, um, they were expressing the concerns, I think that's the better way of putting it, about the numbers that were going to be housed uh, as opposed to what should be uh, house, which is a lot uh, lower uh, in uh, when it comes to fire and these kind of risks. And when that was resolved and migrants began to be loaded onto the barge, uh, 15 refused to go on. And then on top of this, um, uh, contamination was found in the water supply. It was Legionella, uh, Legionella, Legionella and um, uh, this rendered the uh, barge unsafe. It was likely to take weeks uh, to sanitize the water supply, and that rendered the entire government effort to to become uh, a bit of an embarrassment. So, um, not a, a good. Uh, well, it wasn't a good story as far as uh, the government was concerned, and uh, when it had, um, or was expecting to rely so much on this, 
um, um, it has uh, it seems to have uh, backfired. The fact that the barge was to be used as a means to give publicity to the seriousness of the government over immigration is supported by the fact that only a small fraction of asylum seekers would have been accommodated there. Currently, there are 58,000 uh, 636 in dispersed accommodation across the UK. So a fraction of them were really going to be accommodated there. Just to make a point, I suppose, that's what the idea was. The crux of the problem, many feel, uh, lies, well, at least in part, in the waiting time that asylum seekers have to endure for their cases to be considered. According to a report published by the Refugee Council not too long ago, the average waiting time for an initial decision on an asylum case is likely to be between one and three years. And at present, overall backlog of outstanding asylum claims has grown by more than 3,000. And at the end of the last month, there were 136,779 claims in the asylum backlog up from 133,607 at the end of March. And this uh, rise is very much driven by thousands of people who cross the channel in small boats. I suppose from an Islamic angle, I don't know what you think. Uh, I suppose this is a personal view. But I would would, uh, suspect that uh, uh, Islam would look very much uh, favorably on the lot of migrants especially those who are fleeing war and religious persecution. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, we must remember himself advised his followers to migrate when persecution had become intolerable in Makkah during the early years of his ministry. And the king of Abyssinia, who gave asylum to those very uh, those early converts, has been praised in Islamic literature for his magnanimity and by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well, uh, praised for his magnanimity and sense of justice. Besides, we shouldn't forget the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, himself was uh, was a migrant to Medina during uh, during the Hijrah, during um, um, the um, um, the um, journey from uh, from Makkah to Medina. So, as Muslims, uh, I would say that we do have a, sport, a soft spot for migrants or asylum seekers who are fleeing religious persecution, in particular. Um, here, we must also mention that the UK. I mean, despite criticism that has been leveled by many quarters uh, against um, what we are doing, we do have a good record in giving refuge to all kinds of migrants. Uh, And this has to be acknowledged, it has to be applauded, uh, not least for the UK being um, leading partners in establishing the Convention on Human Rights for Refugees. So that has to be uh, looked at. Uh, And when we're talking about Islam, uh, uh, an Islamic uh, standpoint on uh, migrants. There's one verse that um, is sometimes used uh, to show its attitude to this uh, particular aspect. Uh, it is in uh, Surah Tawbah, uh, chapter 9 and verse, and verse 6, which reads, And if any of the idolaters, so those who do not believe in Islam, ask protection of you, grant protection so that uh, he may hear the word of Allah, then convey him to a, his place of security. That is because they are people who have no knowledge. And this verse um, indicates that if people do come to you, uh, and it's not just Muslims, uh, it's non-Muslims, they're saying, then um, um, do convey them the uh, the message of Islam. But 
then uh, um, convey them to a place of security. Uh, and uh, within this uh, verse is also a clear indication that uh, delivery of protection is not to be given at the expense of acceptance of Islam. An individual migrating for whatever reason can still refuse to accept the message and be provided uh, provided protection. So there is that inkling that uh, you can deduce from this uh, about um, uh, encouraging or accepting um, migrants and giving them refuge. So uh, I'm sure that this particular issue about immigration, asylum, legal, asylum seekers, uh, is going to be marching on, probably going to be one of the issues uh, during the uh, forthcoming election. We see what uh, new policies are enacted and what else can be done uh, in order to balance the concerns uh, of those who feel that uh, we already are on our knees when it comes to uh, uh, living uh, on hard times, many people resorting to food banks and what have you. And uh, are we really in a position to be able to take others on when we can't look uh, look after ourselves so well? That is one concern uh, that is being uh, being voiced by a certain section of uh, society. Uh, as opposed to uh, the other section of society, which says that uh, we are one of the richest countries in the world and there are people who are seeking refuge uh, on our shores, then whatever our own problems uh, may be, they are dwarfed by the problems that those fleeing uh, from other parts of the world are facing and therefore we should uh, accept them with open arms. There is a balance, clearly, that needs to be made, and that, I suppose, is where the uh, the core of the problem lies. There have been uh, other changes elsewhere, perhaps on the lighter side. We can look at um, uh, the Premiership. Uh, this is the Football League. Uh, the Premier League uh, was back with us uh, uh, earlier, uh, this week, or should I say at the end of last week, uh, with all the big teams getting results as expected. Uh, Erling Haaland uh, scored twice against Burnley, winning 3-0. Arsenal vanquished uh, North Nottingham Forest 2-1, while Newcastle thrashed Aston Villa 5-1. Uh, and the other team that is expected to do well, Manchester United, uh, in, um, it is uh, my son's, my younger son's uh, uh, team. Uh, well, they scraped a 1-0 win against Wolverhampton in a dull match on Monday. Um, it is early days yet, but uh, it would be difficult to think any team would excel or surpass uh, last year's uh, treble win is Manchester City. Uh, this is a, despite the fact that they've lost their playmaker, Kevin De Bruyne, for the rest of the year. Arsenal may be their biggest contenders after beating them in the Charity Shield. Uh, and um, uh, many would not rule out uh, Newcastle uh, the way they're performing. It seems that they should be uh, doing quite well this year. But the distraction of being in the dis uh, Champions League as they are now would perhaps blunt 
their uh, their march towards uh, overhauling uh, Manchester City's uh, dominance in 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 football. We'll see how that uh, that unfolds. Um, uh, I did say one story, one more story last time, but let me just um, deal with this one because we, I think we will have time uh, to cover this, which is regarding um, plastics. Um, now, this uh, um, re- relates to the use of plastic bags. Uh, now, uh, plastic bags, uh, their use is down by 80%. Now, this is welcome news. Plastic bags, you know, are the scourge on our environment because of the durability and the damage they unleash as a result. And now, their use have declined. This is according to the Times. The number of single-use plastic bags sold, uh, sold has fallen for, from 2.1 billion in 2016 17 to 406 million. Uh, and uh, that's in the latest financial year or recent financial year. A disadvantage to this decline is that money, well, I suppose it's an ancillary disadvantage, uh, that um, money raised for good causes by charging for these bags has also uh, declined uh, from, uh, I think it's 65 million um, down to a lower figure. Um, well, no, it's 65 million. It used to be 65 million uh, when the um, the charging for the bags was introduced uh, in, back in 2015. It's just down to 6 million now. And Environment Minister Rebecca Powell said that our charge has helped to stop bil- billions of single use carrier bags littering our neighborhoods or heading to landfill while ensuring millions of pounds go to good causes. So it's something that uh, the Environment Minister can, I suppose, rightly um, uh, um, what, um, uh, applaud itself for. Uh, and Catherine David uh, from the Waste Charity, RAP, said, only about 6% of plastic bags and wrappings are recycled in the UK, so it's great that usage continues to fall. Uh, one of the big disadvantages of public uh, plastic bags, as mentioned earlier, is the durability. I mean, these plastics uh, fill our waste dump sites and if, dispo- and if disposed of in the oceans, cause havoc to our wildlife. However, uh, now this is interesting. So this is another angle uh, to how we can deal with plastic bags. Uh, and that is by not uh, manufacturing durable uh, plastic bags but by degradable uh, plastic bags. And apparently this uh, team uh, at Texas and A&M University has found that new types of biodegradable plastics can be made from (laughs) shells of insects. Uh, They have drawn sugar-based molecules from the outer surfaces of black soldier flies to create plastics and gels that can be broken down by insects. Black soldier flies are commonly framed, uh, farmed for their uh, larvae. They have a short life, and the carcasses are usually discarded. Now they can be put to good use if this initiative catches on. So that's an interesting initiative, and uh, we'll see how 
whether there is mileage in that. Um, if there is, I'm sure that we'll be hearing a lot about this uh, in the future. Uh, from an Islamic angle, I suppose Allah has, what can be said is that Allah has created a perfectly balanced world on the basis of sustainability and circularity. Um, the This balance must be maintained by man uh, acting moderately, thoughtfully, and just, uh, justly. Waste, pollution, and destruction are the very qualities that uh, Allah abhors. And the Holy Quran says in chapter 7, verse 32, O children of Adam, look to your adornment at every time and place of worship, and eat and drink, but do not exceed the bounds. Surely he does not love those who exceed the bounds. And sadly, too often it is the profit motive that uh, encourage us to exceed those uh, those bounds, the profit motive that dominates and drives our industries at the expense of our moral responsibilities uh, and the responsibilities we should have for the environment. Uh, when we transgress those limits that um, Allah has clearly um, uh, stipulated, then uh, we are bound to suffer. So it's, uh, it's something that uh, uh, is food for thought uh, regarding... Uh, this particular issue. We are going to go for a short break. After that break, we'll be back and we'll be looking at the first of our main stories that we are going to be dealing with later on during the course of this program. So please don't go away. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A new station, The Voice of Islam. With live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show of the Voice of Islam with me, Vulid Ahmed. The time is uh, 7.37 and it's Friday, the 18th of August, 2023. Well, the first of our main stories is regarding alcohol consumption. Uh, and the fact that uh, it may, according to researchers, uh, increase blood pressure, uh, something we picked up from the Science Daily. Um, even in adults without hypertension, blood pressure readings may climb more steeply over the years as the number of daily alcoholic drinks rise, uh, according to analysis of seven international research studies. Now, this particular website, Science Daily, is saying that with the statistical power of seven international research studies, this analysis confirms for the first time there was a continuous increase in blood pressure measures in both participants with low and high alcohol intake. 
Even low levels of alcohol consumption were associated with detectable increases in blood pressure levels that may lead to a higher risk of cardiovascular events. Researchers reviewed the health data for all participants across the seven studies for more than five years. They compared adults who drank alcohol regularly with non-drinkers and found, so this is a list, systolic. Uh, this is the top uh, figure uh, when measuring your blood pressure. That rose by 1.25 millimeters of mercury uh, in people who consumed an average of 12 grams of alcohol per day, rising to 4.9 millimeters millimeters in people consuming an average of 48 grams of alcohol per day. Um, And uh, diastotic, that is the bottom number, blood pressure rose, 1.14 millimeters in people consuming an average of 12 grams of alcohol per day, rising to 3.1 millimeters in people consuming uh, an average of 48 grams of alcohol per day. These associations were seen in males, but not in females. Diastolic diastolic, um, blood pressure uh, measures the force against artery walls between heartbeats and is not as strong a predictor of heart disease uh, in compar- or heart disease risk, should I say, in comparison to systolic. Alcohol is certainly not the sole driver of increases in blood pressure. Uh, however, uh, this is one of the researchers saying, however, our findings confirm it contributes to a meaningful way uh, limiting alcohol intake is advised and avoiding it is even better. Uh, although none of the participants had uh, blood pressure when they enrolled in the studies, their blood pressure measurements at the beginning did have an impact on the alcohol findings. According to the American Heart Association recommendations, if you don't drink already, don't start. If you do drink, talk with your doctor about the benefits and risks of consuming alcohol in moderation. The association also uh, does not recommend drinking any form of alcohol uh, to gain potential health benefits. Instead, follow the association's lifestyle and health metrics uh, for optimal cardiovascular health uh, called Life's Essential 8. Eat healthy food, be physically active, don't smoke, get enough sleep, maintain a healthy weight, and control cholesterol, blood sugar, and blood pressure levels. So that's your essential eight. Uh, That's been recommended. I'll give that again, uh, just so that um, uh, you may may remember them. Uh, So the life's essential eight are eat healthy food, be physically active, don't smoke, get enough sleep, maintain a healthy weight, and control your cholesterol, blood sugar, and blood pressure levels. So that's basically what this uh, study had to say. So let's go to one of these uh, clips uh, and uh, look at this from an Islamic angle and uh, explore why are Muslims forbidden from drinking alcohol. So this is a clip that explains that. Um, My second question is, why are we allowed to drink any alcohol? Alcohol, when you see, already you have uh, seen so many campaigns against drunken driving, haven't you? Yes. And you must have been aware also of uh, alcohol 
men being mentioned frequently in connection with the increase in crime. So this is something which is bad because under alcoholic influence we either lose control of, over our actions or we are enfeebled in our mental capabilities to judge things in the right perspective. So we make, we are more likely to make errors of judgment. Like it is demonstrated during our driving of cars under alcoholic influences. Why do accidents take place? Because our uh, judgment is impaired under alcoholic influence. So when you can't drive a car, how can you be safe in dealing with other human affairs? That is why many an alcoholic person has been reported to smash the head of his own child against the stone wall, becoming mad at something, you know, he couldn't control his rage. Similarly, most of the cruelties committed against uh, wives, women here, uh, by their husbands, are reported to be under the influence of wine or alcohol, whatever you call it. So, because it is, it has more bad than good about it, so the Holy Quran says that is why it has been forbidden. So that was uh, the late Hazrat uh, Mirza Ahmad, the fourth Caliph uh, of the Promised Messiah, um, um, giving his view about uh, various other uh, negative effects of consuming alcohol. Um, but this uh, particular uh, um, uh, next uh, clip uh, also mentions uh, the beneficial effects of alcohol. Uh, to some degree. So let's let's uh, listen to what this has to offer. Holmes, uh, my name's George. Um, it was mentioned on the television news last Hello, week. Oh yeah. Um, it was on the television news last week. That scientists seem to agree that all alcoholic drinks are beneficial in some degree. Uh, in view of that, can you still s stick by the strict Muslim uh, ban on alcohol? And if a, yes. if a not, it's not a question of scientists alone. It's a question of scientists and it's a question of moralists and it's a question of criminologists. Their opinion put together should be considered. As far as the benefits of spirit are concerned, this is one play, this is one object which is mentioned in the Holy Quran with a reference also to its benefits. While forbidden, it says it has its benefits, of course, but its uh, uh, harms outweigh the benefits. And the harms are briefly mentioned in principle. We speak of its, uh, its power, its capability to dazzle human intellect, to befog human intellect to capture human intellect to a degree where he is no longer in command of his actions. Now, if you read phenomenologists' appraisal of what is happening in the Western society in particular, you will see that the one single culprit which is attributed to be responsible most largely for the crime in our society is alcohol. And, and alcohol addiction is much wider than the drug addiction. 
and the not only the crimes but the suffering which results from alcoholism every christmas at least by way of killing of innocent lives and badly mauled people etc during driving by the alcoholics is is not a piece of information at all everybody knows this moreover once i read a report in some british magazine which spoke of the crimes committed against women in a society which is uh, unfortunately less less advantages economically the lower rung of the of the society of labor etc that report was very clear on this this that most of the crimes committed against poor women in the lowly placed society are are responsible uh, are done under the influence of alcohol and most of the deprived children must blame alcoholism of their parents or their father because the earning which they have is not sufficient to be able to maintain a decent standard for the whole family plus provide for their uh, special weakness for alcohol so they go to the pubs and return drowning their fears drowning their sorrows apparently at a at advantage but also drowning all their sense of moral values and abusing their own wives smashing their heads against walls being cruel to the children destroying the peace of home so if you study the whole case without any prejudice just neutrally you will come to, i i believe you will come to the same conclusion as i have myself come that if you remove alcoholism from british society drinking from british society it will turn into a much better and uh, attractive place to live and with very little of crookedness uh, and crime left in this the second thing which i want to point out is that <coughs> evil addictions can also be determined by the children they give birth to you see if you are a milk drinker for instance teetotaler such habits do not create other habits which are worse than these the simple habits you can live for centuries with these without their giving birth to worse habits but addiction always creates worse forms of addiction and drug addiction is a child of alcoholism in fact when you can no longer be kicked to the degree that you are you want when you no longer can be excited to a state which used to excite you but no more when you want to go beyond then of course you are in search of something like drugs of different forms and types and this drug addiction according to my study is definitely born out of the alcoholic addiction prior before it prior to it or before it again this drug addiction or over much alcoholism also is related to promotion of crime because when you are addicted to a player 
whether it's a good player or bad player is relevant. <coughs> when you're addicted to any player and you do not have economic means to have access to that player, then crime is willy-nilly born. Because addiction is something which demands things most terribly. A man who is addicted loses command of his own faculties and sense of justice and fair play, and he must have what he wants to have at that time. So that is the reason why these things are interrelated and they go on increasing and resulting and in, in, in proliferating in other smaller or bigger evils. So I'm quite satisfied with the Islamic teaching that uh, alcoholism is forbidden. Well, that was clearly a very fascinating uh, answer from His Holiness, uh, explaining uh, the uh, the fact that there are some uh, some benefits uh, in uh, alcohol, but uh, they are far outweighed by the negative effects of alcohol, and that is basically the reasoning that is mentioned in the Holy Quran as to why. Uh, it's forbidden. Um, we can look, uh, or we can listen to another clip, uh, and that also explains uh, uh, something about alcohol cons- uh, consumption. So let's hear what this has to offer. Sub, uh, sometimes it's uh, difficult to judge uh, an issue until we have the full picture in front of us. Uh, you know, imagine that you know all of us we have credit cards, and it's so easy that when you're outside, you're hanging out with your friends, you tap, buy a coffee, <coughs> you tap, buy a sandwich. Or if you're shopping, you like this shirt, you know, let's pick it up, hat or shoes, anything. But when that bill, the monthly statement, when it comes home and you look at the, you know, figure at the bottom, then you realize, you know, you start scratching your head. How did this happen? All this money, I spent it during the month, but now you're on the hook because you actually spent that money. So honestly speaking, even I didn't realize, I mean, I knew alcohol consumption exists in our society, but I didn't realize it was such a big uh, issue. So if we look at the stats, this is a national post in, from 2015, an article, they put all the stats together. And they're saying that in Canada, over 80% of the people, they consume alcohol. So imagine that, 80% of the people living in Canada, they're uh, drinking alcohol. Now, uh, as a country, we're spending over $20 billion annually on the consumption of alcohol. And individually, that translates to about $755 per person. So imagine that much money and what other good things can be done. And then similarly, this article tells us that percentage-wise, and this was really surprising for me, that Canada were ahead of in alcohol consumption compared to some of the other European countries as well as the USA. Now, the other thing was that, you know, we heard on word on the street that some people saying they drink occasionally or, you know, on parties or social events. But now the trend is shifting. 40% of the consumption takes place during weekdays. And similarly, one person was mentioning that he didn't used to drink before, but when he was hanging out with his friends, he got into the habit of drinking. And that's the other issue. 80% of the drinking, it happens while we're in the company of other people. So all these tests, when we look at it together, we come to this realization that it has uh, become an epidemic in our society. And we need to have a discussion uh, about this subject. I mean, as you mentioned in the beginning, the, the death Three million annually. I mean, look at that number. It's staggering. And the scary part is that in 1910, alcohol consumption was the sixth leading factor for preventable death. 20 years later, in 2010, it was the third. So that means over the years, we're consuming more alcohol, 
and is causing more destruction, more death, more chaos in our society. And it is a very big, very wide problem that we as a society need to confront. Fascinating. Uh, again, a very interesting clip. And one final clip we can share where, uh, as far as this particular topic is concerned is about the uh, Islamic prohibition of alcohol consumption in general. So let's hear what this has to offer. Um, I'd like to just very quickly touch upon a question that was raised a few weeks ago that we didn't actually get a chance to dis discuss and, uh, and touch upon. And, and the questioner raised a question about why is the consumption of pork prohibited in Islam? Uh, but they also asked, why is the consumption of alcohol prohibited in Islam? And you know, what is the wisdom of the teaching behind that as well? Perhaps the panel could shed some light very quickly because we, we only have a few minutes left on, 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 on the teachings of that. Well, some people in that, I mean, just uh, I take that, in that aspect, some people sometimes argue that uh, there are good points in uh, alcoholic drinks, all that. The Holy Quran has taken this one. It has been mentioned as some of the uh, uh, impure things introduced by Satan, Ritsum Minamali Shaitan. And then uh, the Holy Quran has also mentioned that uh, the good points, they are far more than the, uh, I mean, than the, uh, the verse of the Holy Quran says that there are some good points in it and some uh, harms in there. And the harms are much more than any possible so they, good point. They outweigh, outweigh the good. Outweigh outweigh the good. So in that case, this is a simple question of wisdom. If something is more harmful, people should abstain from that. That is one of the argument. Yes. And the name Khamar, which has been used in the Holy Quran, that is also has a meaning of covering. So it covers the mind and the intellect of the person, and the mental faculties are damaged as a result of excessive drinking. And nobody knows when one becomes excessive drinker, you know. Yes. Beginning is always made from a small drink, mm. and then people move forward. Mm. So that's a very slippery road. So Islam says the better is that people should try to abstain from that. Ibrahim said very quickly on this point, obviously for, for we see many in the West, although that much merriment is gained from, from drinking of alcohol, we also see how alcohol is often the source of breakdown of families and of society, and it has many detrimental effects. Well, I mean, I think Imam Sahib has clearly demonstrated that its, 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 its blessings are smaller than, than its, its evil is greater. And that's what you see. You, you may see uh, young people or any person going out with the intention of having a few drinks. And many times on a daily basis, and particularly in Ireland, we're hearing this all the time, the amount of deaths, the amount of injuries, the amount, but particularly deaths of young people, 4 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, who've died simply because of consuming um, alcohol. I mean, those of you who are listening to the news, one famous singer belonged to this uh, Bison man who died purely on taking, uh, drinking too much alcohol. So, I mean, it is, it is obvious. I mean, I have seen in, 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 in you know, my life so far many families being destroyed just, just because of alcohol. I mean, uh, the, Quran, the whole Quran shows clearly that its, its teaching is full of wisdom, that, it, I mean, it is not beneficial. Mm -hmm. The Holy Prophet has said that liquor is the mother of all vice and the greatest of sins. And if you want to see a practical example of that, visit any accident and emergency department over a Friday, Saturday or Sunday, or any police station on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you will see a pictorial example of the damaging effect it has on health and on society as general, and the lawlessness that it uh, emanates from there is there to be seen. So. 
correctly uh, this backs up the hadith of the Holy Prophet and he has said that liquor is the mother of all wise and leads to I all other things. The police people have understood this message of yes. Islam very well. <laughs> yes, I think because so. they have made a rule that drink and drive is a crime. That's right. Country. They are yeah. trying their very best. Yes, yeah. they, they are trying their and this is a good thing, you know. Yeah. So that speaks volumes, you know, mm. just this principle. Mm. Why they have come to this conclusion? Because they know for certain that lot of accidents, mm. lot of uh, loss mm. of life, will be the result of drinking. Jazakallah, Imam Sab. And unfortunately we've run out of time, but Jazakallah for the many questions we have to answer today. There are many... So that was uh, part of a, um, a discussion on, uh, on alcohol uh, by this particular panel. Um, and b basically uh, it uh, was rooted in uh, this verse of the Holy Quran, which is found in chapter 5, uh, verse 91 to 92, which says, O you who believe, wine and the game of chance are only an ab abomination of Satan's handiwork. So shun each one of them that you may, may prosper. Satan seeks only to create enmity and hatred among you by means of wine and games of chance and to keep you ba back from the remembrance of Allah and from, uh, from prayer. So... Clearly, um, there, uh, <clears throat> the harm that can be delivered from alcohol uh, is is immense and uh, outweighs, uh, and this is what we were hearing from these clips, far outweighs any benefit that may emerge from the consumption of alcohol. And this is what society's researchers uh, are coming to, to understand and are able to uh, validate what the Holy Quran has uh, has said and validate uh, this particular prohibition. We'll be uh, talking more about this after the uh, news, which beckons. Do don't go away. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back uh, to the Breakfast Show at the Voice of Islam. With me, Walidham, at the time is just gone two minutes past eight. It's Friday, the 18th of August, 2023. We were discussing the harmful effects of alcohol consumption uh, that uh, was brought about by this study, uh, this uh, study that took in seven other studies uh, and analyzed them uh, that showed that uh, their, uh, the <coughs> consumption of alcohol leads to high blood pressure. But that, of course, is not the only harmful effect of uh, alcohol. There are many others. And, and its, uh, its harmful effects uh, outweigh any benefit that it can, it can in any way deliver. And that's why the Holy Quran uh, has forbidden it. That's why Muslims are uh, instructed not to, uh, uh, not to consume alcohol. Uh, the Arabic word uh, used for alcohol is al-khamar. And it's interesting uh, when you analyze that particular word because uh, it means anything that intoxicates or alters the mind. Uh, thus, all forms of intoxicants uh, are forbidden. And the, the verse clearly explains that uh, uh, the problems created by the use of uh, ox intoxicants, first, they lead to hatred and enmity, enmity amongst people, uh, causing murder, violence, uh, immoral behavior. And secondly, they lead people away from Allah and his religion. Uh, and the verse that, that this is being referred, referred to is what I uh, mentioned just before we had the news break. And 
according to that bag, uh, according to that verse, Allah wants the believers to keep their minds pure and clean so that they worship uh, God Almighty fully. A Muslim may not offer prayers when he is not in full possession of his senses, even if that is caused by excessive emotion or a state of, uh, of uh, lack of sleep. Certainly, uh, a mind that is intoxicated is not able to focus on Allah. Finally, it is important uh, um, to note that, the, uh, that alcohol and drugs, for that matter, are used as a means of escape from or overwhelming difficulties and responsibilities. The attitude of one who has truly embraced the teachings of Islam cannot be compatible uh, with this state of despair. A true Muslim play, places his reliance on Allah for the relief of hardship and when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, proclaimed Allah's commandment concerning intoxicants, his followers uh, broke their pots and jugs of wine into the streets, flowed with it. This is an example uh, for the for the new convert to Islam. The Holy Quran is very clear that the consumption, this was covered by, by the clips we heard, that the consumption of alcohol is forbidden. The Holy Quran also states that there is some benefit of it, uh, in it, and this also uh, was something that we were able to cover with those clips that we were able to share. But it said that, uh, but it is clear that although there is some benefit in it, the sin of its consumption is greater than the benefit. On multiple occasions, the Quran enjoins upon the Muslims to ponder and think about the universe and the and the world around them. This push uh, by the author of the Quran, Allah Almighty, further helped and drove Muslims to continue pursuing knowledge and new ways and inventions in benefit mankind. Uh, thus, wisdom dictates that though the consumption of alcohol isn't uh, uh, permissible, its use in a way of striving for the well-being of mankind is allowed. A thorough study of history and prohibition movement tells us that in all of human history, just one single instance is found in which alcohol prohibition was successfully implemented. And that revolution take, took place in 7th century Arabia, and the movement in question was led by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon himself. And through his practice, presence, teaching, and spiritual power, the Prophet of Allah first changed the prevailing mentality and perception surrounding the act of alcohol consumption. Once this was achieved, and the time came to forbid it completely, prohibition was instated in a slow and gradual manner Three verses of the Holy Quran detail this revolutionary process, and this is uh, relevant and, um, uh, and gives us an understanding of how uh, prohibi prohibition was enacted. The first verse said that the believing Muslims are simply, is where the believing Muslims were simply discouraged from drinking wine, uh, dr uh, drawing t uh, to attention the fact that there was greater evil than benefit in intoxicants. And this verse is found in so the second chapter in uh, 220 uh, is, the, is the number of those. Then Muslims, so the second stage was the Muslims were forbidden to pray while intoxicated. And this uh, injunction is found in chapter 4, verse 44. And the fact that there were five prayers spread throughout the day from before sunrise to after sunset encouraged sincere Muslims to shun the habit. Uh, and finally, uh, alcohol consumption was deemed an ab abomination of Satan's handiwork and was definitively and strictly forbidden. And this you can find in Surah Al-Maidah. This is chapter 5 of the Holy Quran, verses 91 to 92. Such a radical change in attitudes prior to the implementation of scriptural injunctions is not found in any other religion except Islam. 
Uh, from the times of uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, received his first revelation, it took between 16 to 18 years of educations, patience, prayers, and gradual restrictions for Islamic prohibition to be fully instated, and it worked. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, announced that alcohol had been definitely, definitively forbidden, Muslims immediately poured out whatever they had left in stock to the point that alcohol drinks were seen flowing through the streets of Medina. And it must be mentioned here that Islam recognizes that a strategy of prohibition, if implemented suddenly instead of gradually, would be just as effective as that of uh, prohibition in America. As Aisha, wife of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon relates, when people embraced Islam, the verses regarding legal and illegal things were revealed. If the first thing uh, to be revealed was do not drink alcoholic drinks, people would have said we will never leave alcoholic drinks. So that is an indication of certainly of how uh, to effect a change when it comes to something like this and how not to effect a change when it comes to something like this. In essence, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, presented the world with a working model demonstrating how prohibition, prohibition movement could be effective and what to avoid when trying to replicate it. In any given um, uh, scenario, the world will eventually come to realize the beauty and efficacy of Islam's strategy to uh, combat alcoholism. Uh, the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ambiya Muslim community, once said, many times it happens that if a certain thing is not widespread enough, it affects, its effects cannot be known. Take, for instance, the pre prevalence of alcohol nowadays in places like Europe. This, if this prevalence, prevalence did not occur, then how could its negative effects become manifests from which the world uh, today seeks refuge? And by its prevalence, the beauty of Islam and the message of Islam uh, peace be upon him, is revealed who stopped this vice once and for all and deemed it unlawful. Um, the famous uh, hand sanitizers of today are strongly based on the antibacterial properties of distilled alcohol. Early Muslim scientists uh, have been using alcohol in their medical practices and discoveries for a very long time, such as uh, Jabir bin Hayyan, who described the distillation of wine in his works. Science and technology in Islam explains that alcohol from distilled wine was heavily used from the time of Jabir bin Hayyan, famously known as the father of chemistry. Various other scholars also mentioned the distillation of wine and its medical properties, such as Al-Kindi, another prominent figure in his book, The Book of Chemistry of Perfume of Distillation. So use of alcohol other than consumption um, is, is permitted, um, but uh, certainly not its consumption. Um, so that brings us uh, to a conclusion of this uh, part of the program where we were looking at alcohol. Uh, it was, as I mentioned before, uh, prompted by this study, extensive study, uh, that uh, alcohol uh, has one of the damaging effects uh, that it has. It has the capacity to raise uh, blood pressure but uh, um, that is not the only harmful effect as uh, we have learned from the clips that we were able to share and the um, uh, discussion that we were able to engage in that there are many other harmful effects of alcohol and that's why uh, it is right that uh, the Holy Quran uh, forbade its consumption. Um, we 
bring that, uh, as I indicated earlier, to a close, that particular part of the program. Let's move on to the second part uh, of the uh, program. This is dealing with um, um, something quite different. And the title of this uh, particular uh, topic is Scientists Predict a Collapse of the Atlantic Ocean Current to Happen Mid-Century. Um, now, uh, the uh, details of this is something that we were able to draw from uh, one of the websites. Again, it's uh, the Science Daily that uh, came to our age in uh, delivering us some information as to what this is. Well, important ocean currents that re redistribute heat, cold, and precipitation between the tropics and the northernmost pa parts of the Atlantic region will shut down uh, around the year 2060 uh, if current uh, greenhouse gas emissions persist. This is a conclusion based on new calculations from the University of Copenhagen that contradict the latest report from the IPCC. And uh, contrary to what we may imagine about the impact of climate change in Europe, a colder future may be in store. In a new study, researchers from the University of Copenhagen's Niels Bohr Institute and Department of Mathematical Sciences uh, predict that uh, the system of ocean currents, which currently distributes cold and heat between uh, the North Atlantic region and tropics, will completely stop if we continue to emit the same levels of greenhouse gases as we do today. Using advanced statistical tools and ocean temperature data from the last 150 years, the researchers calculated that the ocean current, known as the thermohaline th circulation or the Atlantic Meridional uh, Overturning Circulation, AMOC, will collapse with 95% certainty between 2025 and 2095. Well, 2025 is not too far away, is it? Uh, so this will most likely occur in 34 years, in 2057, and could result in major challenges particularly warming the tropics and increased storminess in the North Atlantic region. The researchers' uh, uh, prediction is based on observations of early warning signals that ocean currents exhibit as they become unstable. These early warning signals for the uh, thermohaline circulation have been reported previously, but only now has the development of advanced statistical methods made it possible to predict just when a collapse will occur. The researchers analyzed sea surface temperatures in a specific area of the North Atlantic from uh, 1870 to uh, uh, present days. Uh, the, these sea uh, surface temperatures are fingerprints testifying the strength of the AMOC, which has only been measured directly for the past 15 years. Uh, the thermohaline circulation has operated in its present mode since uh, the uh, last ice age where the circulation has indeed collapsed. Abrupt climate uh, uh, jumps uh, between the present uh, state of the AMOC and the collapse state has been observed to happen 25 times in connection with the ice age climate. We'll be speaking to uh, one of our uh, callers in a few seconds, but uh, let me just finish uh, with this. That the, that um, 
Danskart och Oscar events uh, now uh, these were possible observed in ice cores from the uh, uh, Greenlandic ice uh, sheet at those events climate changes were extreme with 10 to 15 degrees changes over a decade but prior present day climate changes one and a half degrees warming over uh, a century uh, and just to, uh, before i bring uh, uh, i think our caller is Salim, before i bring him on let me just uh, mention a couple of facts um, the atlantic m- uh, meridional uh, overturning circulation amok is part of a global system of ocean currents uh, by far it accounts for the most significant part of heat distribution from the tropics to the northernmost regions of the atlantic region not least uh, to western europe at the northernmost uh, latitude circulation ensures that surface water is converted into deep southbound ocean currents the transformation creates space for additional surface water to be moved northward from equatorial regions as, as such uh, thermal hairline circulation is critical for maintaining the relatively mild climate of the north atlantic region the work is supported by types a joint a european research collaboration focused on tipping points of the climate system the types project is an eu horizon 2020 interdisciplinary climate research project focused on tipping points in the climate uh, system so i did mention that we have uh, um, a caller Uh, on the line it's uh, mr salim and thank you very much for coming on uh, to the breakfast show assalamu alaikum uh, right so you, what would you like to say about uh, the environment and uh, if anything about this particular topic essentially my uh, take is obviously climate change ecology economy society whatever we do whatever we take out the environment is a key the world around us human beings are just a minor minuscule part of this earth and uh, we have to look after the environment i mean there was a few things i'd like to say and if it was a manifesto i would say selim's manifesto one vehicle per house ideally walk cycle public transport all households must have a community growing facility so you can uh, for investors water meters must be installed in all of the properties within the united kingdom why because that will limit us our use of water at that point i would have to throw in this one i'm trying to uh, get out there when people use a solar facility is a very sensitive subject for another time they have to use water they don't just use tissue you have to use water and tissue hygienic purposes um and then just a few other things i won't take up too much of time so when we uh, wear clothes we don't have to use washing machines straight away we can use air dry we can dry our clothes using the air there's so many things we can do to protect the environment and the you know for the climate it's, it's good overall so um uh and uh using these apps we can use the waste sharing apps so we don't have to throw away our clothes or whatever uh, swap shop we can swap them or, or donate them through those um and then essentially like I said the three are reducing reusing recycling 
And uh, just a final piece from me is that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has an association known as the International Association of Ahmadiyya Architects and Engineers. Here we're doing the three key things. There are case studies on the model villages where we're assisting to build those and look after humanity. Alternative Energy Committee, where we're doing solar installations. And Water for Life. Water is a key thing, as I mentioned. Uh, installing water pumps, not only just installing, maintaining those and giving the uh, human beings in the parts of the world where we're helping the tools to maintain these systems. So that's, you know, that's what it's going to be. Well, well, thank you very much for that contribution. Very well thought out. Um, I suppose it'll be difficult to to implement. I I suspect that uh, we need in a free society to get the kinds of things that you want done. Uh, I suppose it requires a lot of uh, education and a lot of persuasion, doesn't it? Uh, um, how can you persuade? Yeah. Anyway, um, that uh, certainly is the case. Thank you very much, Salim, for uh, uh, um, calling in uh, and for your very useful contribution. Thank you. I wish you all the best for the rest of your day. In fact, the best, uh, all the best for the rest of your life. All right? Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, Slalakum. All right, uh, we did speak uh, in detail about AMOC to uh, Professor Wunsch, uh, and this is uh, what he had to say. Let's listen. Uh, Professor Carl Wunsch is Professor of Physio- Physical Oceanography in the Department of Earth, Atmospheric, and Planetary Sciences at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Uh, I'm pleased to note that he is with us on the telephone line. Uh, Professor Winch, uh, thank you uh, very much for coming on to speak to us. Uh, tell me, I mean, I've got in my notes uh, the um, uh, uh, phrase or the word AMOC, A-M-O-C. What exactly does AMOC stand for? Uh, what people call the AMOC uh, is the Atlantic Meridional overturning circulation, which is a component of the flow field in the Atlantic Ocean that uh, many people believe is of great uh, significance for determining the climate. Mm -hmm. And there is some talk about there going to be a collapse Uh, why and you know what so what if there is a collapse? It's in the middle of the ocean. Um, the role of the AMOC uh, in the climate system uh, is an important one. Uh, one of the difficulties uh, we have as scientists is that it's often uh, discussed out of context uh, with the rest of the ocean circulation and the climate system. And uh, one should know that a major component of what has been defined as the AMOC is the Gulf Stream. As your listeners probably know, the, the, the Gulf Stream is a major current on the western side of the ocean that flows up the coast of uh, North America and eventually goes out to sea with uh, many branches in the uh, eastern Atlantic. Uh, collapse would imply that that current 
would vanish, which is essentially impossible. It ha it's the strongest component of the flow in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, its strength uh, is hard to comprehend, but it carries about 30 million kilograms of water uh, per second mm -hmm. uh, northward. The Gulf Stream is warm, and uh, it's important in the storm systems that form over the Atlantic Ocean that reach the UK and uh, comprise uh, the reason why the the climate of the UK is fairly mild. It isn't that the Gulf Stream keeps Britain warm, which one often hears. It's that the uh, atmosphere storms form over the comparatively warm water, particularly on the western side of the ocean, and those are carried uh, eastward uh, as part of the circulation of the atmosphere uh, into the UK. Uh, there is a counterpart in uh, the Pacific Ocean, the western side of North America, British Columbia, uh, Oregon and the United States and so forth, also have mild climates because the uh, atmosphere is picking up heat from the ocean and generating a comparatively mild uh, climate on the west coast of North America. So it would be important if there were no warm water uh, for the atmosphere to extract heat from. This is basically why people worry about it. Mm -hmm. But I, I would repeat what I just said. You cannot turn the Gulf Stream off. So to that extent, you cannot collapse the AMOC. Uh, what is meant by collapse uh, is uh, something that people obscurely refer to. Okay. You can try to explain if you like. Okay. Um, and what kind of indicators or factors um, do you most look for uh, when you're monitoring uh, to predict this kind of collapse? Well, I, I know you, you um, collapse is perhaps... Uh, pejorative word uh, in this context, but um, you know what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. To, to answer that question, I've got to give you a very brief description of what comprises the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation. There are two large-scale elements that occupy uh, much of the Atlantic Ocean. At the surface is the northward going Gulf Stream, as I've already mentioned, uh, and which returns uh, also in the surface parts of the ocean, uh, somewhat cooler than the water that the Gulf Stream carried north. That is, the Gulf Stream carries heat forward on the western side of the North Atlantic, at high latitudes, the atmosphere extracts some heat, cooling the water, 
and there is unnecessary return flow because there's no place for the water to go in the northern North Atlantic. It must go back south. There's an additional component which uh, also arises uh, from the way the atmosphere extracts heat uh, from the ocean brought in largely by the Gulf Stream. And that is, uh, particularly on the western side of the northern North Atlantic, off of uh, Canada, Labrador, um, the water sometimes gets so cold that it sinks. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why it sinks has mostly to do with the fact that it's salty. Otherwise, it would freeze and form sea ice in the same way that a, a lake ices over at the top, leaving water below. But in the Atlantic, because the water is also salty, it can be heavy enough before it freezes to sink toward the bottom of the ocean. That water makes its way southward uh, at depth uh, into the South Atlantic and then into the global ocean beyond that. And that returns some of the water that came north in the Gulf Stream. So the Gulf Stream water is returned in two ways. In a great big return flow near the surface of the ocean, which we call a gyre, and this meridional overturning, because the water goes northward and the near surface layers of the Gulf Stream sinks and returns southward uh, in what can be thought of as a meridional overturning circulation. So what one looks for in attempting to understand whether something um, troublesome is going on is, for example, whether the water is still getting cold enough in parts of the Atlantic to sink, or whether, for example, uh, it stays warm, can't sink, or whether the salinity got sufficiently low that it froze at the surface before it sank. So those are things we look for. Mm -hmm. There are also uh, direct measurements using instruments that are moored to the seafloor uh, that measures how much water is going northward in the North Atlantic and at what depth and how much is coming back at great depth. And so any change in that uh, would also be a troublesome sign that something is changing in the ocean. Uh, I, I would add, however, that we know the system is very noisy, mm -hmm. meaning that it, water doesn't sink all the time. It only sinks occasionally. The amount of water flowing northward in the North Atlantic, including the Gulf Stream, uh, and the water returning at greater depths, uh, fluctuates from day to day, week to week, month to month. And so uh, it takes long records uh, to understand whether changes are taking place as a trend uh, or whether they're just natural fluctuations in the same way that weather fluctuates uh, in the UK and here where I live from day to day and week to week. 
as they are what we call noisy systems. So, for example, determining the average temperature in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, requires averaging out a great deal of uh, extremes of weather, high temperatures and low temperatures. Uh, the flows in the Atlantic are somewhat similar in that uh, there's a very large fluctuation that makes it difficult to understand uh, whether one is seeing a trend or just something that happens naturally. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what are the consequences of uh, a collapse in inverted commas of the Atlantic Ocean current? I mean, how will it impact global climate patterns, regional weather systems, marine ecosystems? Um, This question is where we get into speculation that's Mm. largely upon the behavior of of extremely complicated numerical models, as we call them, numerical representations of the ocean and the atmosphere. It's it's very important in trying to answer your question uh, to, to remind people that Climate is a global phenomenon, and uh, if something happens uh, in the Atlantic, there are likely to be changes in the atmosphere, and there will also be likely changes in the ocean. And so if uh, something happens in the Atlantic, one can ask, well, what happens to the weather that is reaching the, the UK? Uh, that weather goes around the world. Uh, a lot of it uh, forms and evolves over the huge Asian landmass before it encounters the Pacific Ocean. It then crosses North America, and then it crosses the uh, Atlantic Ocean. So that if we change the surface properties of the Atlantic Ocean, one can speculate that it might change uh, the climate in the UK, but that's competing with changes that are occurring elsewhere. Uh, for Just as one example, uh, if Asia is covered by snow in one year and is not covered by snow in the winter of another year, that can make a very large difference to uh, the weather that reaches the UK, and uh, that would have nothing to do with the behavior of the uh, surface of the Atlantic, uh, although the surface of the Atlantic might be a factor in uh, generating snow cover over Asia. So my point being is that what we see as weather and then as average or climate is a consequence of global changes. So now one can take the North Atlantic and in one of these uh, numerical representations, reduce the meridional overturning component and ask what happens in the Atlantic. And uh, there are a number of competing hypotheses. Uh, One is, that uh, the uh, Atlantic will get cold because less water will be uh, 
able to penetrate from further south where it is warm. Uh, this led to a nice bit of science fiction uh, in a film some years ago called The Day After Tomorrow, which led some people to say, oh, global warming is going to cause a new ice age. Uh, I think most scientists regard that as a kind of a laughable mm -hmm. uh, scenario. The, the other possibility is that uh, if the Atlantic has less warm water in it at the surface because it can't sink, uh, it blocks further increases, that the atmosphere will get warmer and the UK and the rest of Europe will get warmer. And it's a possibility. Uh, it's just that uh, one has to ask, what is happening in the rest of the world system, both in the ocean and in the atmosphere and in the ice cover uh, to the north? These things are all connected to each other, and it's very difficult to isolate the effects of changes in the North Atlantic alone. Mm. Uh, if, if people like a simple story. We all like a simple story story. But in terms of the AMOC, we're dealing with a very complex fluid flow that is coupled to a rather complicated atmosphere, and which in turn, both of those things are coupled to things like the sea ice uh, in the North Atlantic and Antarctica. Hmm. So isolating the effect of the AMOC is a very difficult problem. Okay. To what extent uh, is the AMOC collapse due to human activity? Is it due to global warming or some other activity that uh, man is engaged in? Well, the, 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 in some scenarios, in some stories, um, the, the increase in greenhouse gases um, is going to change the AMOC. Uh, largely because the atmosphere changes. And uh, to understand what is going to happen, uh, we would have to understand, for example, among other things, how the wind system over the North Atlantic is going to change. M much of the circulation of the world ocean, including the Atlantic, is driven by the wind field. And this is one of the reasons I say you cannot turn the Gulf Stream off, because that would imply that somehow the wind system over the Atlantic ha had vanished, which is not going to do. This is impossible. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, well, why impossible? The, 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 why, why, why do you say it's impossible? Why do I think... What? It's impossible. You said it's impossible. Oh, well, how do you turn the winds off? The wind, wind system exists because the Earth is heated at the equator and cooled near the poles. Mm -hmm. And uh, the minute you say that, you say, well, well, unless the temperature on the equator is going to keep increasing indefinitely and at the poles is going to keep decreasing indefinitely, yeah. which is not true, yeah. uh, they are... They mm. do change, but they don't run away mm. like that. And the minute you say that, the uh, Newton's laws of motion 
for a rotating Earth demand that there be a wind system, much like we see today. With westerly winds over North America, the Atlantic and the UK, with trade winds to the south, and other bands of winds like that uh, over the whole rest of the world, uh, both land and ocean. So how, how could one possibly stop that? There is no way to stop that unless you turn the sun off. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. We're not talking yeah. about here. No, I see that, yes. Um, or or um, you could turn the Gulf Stream off by hmm. removing North America. Just yeah. put all the water in the Northern Hemisphere. Hmm. Hmm. There would be no Gulf Stream. Yeah. And over hundreds of millions of years, uh, this may have happened. Hmm. But it's not something to worry about on a human timescale. Hmm. Uh, to what extent should we be worried about bearing in mind you're saying that uh, the effects are going to be unpredictable and there could be uh, other factors that may ex- exacerbate those effects or may compensate to limit those effects. So should we really be worried about the AMOC collapse? Well, we should be worried about the AMOC, but in the context of all the other changes that are likely to take place. Uh, Most scientists, myself included, regard the increase in CO2 as an extremely worrisome and potentially catastrophic change that people are making uh, in the Earth. Uh, Whether the AMOC uh, is of particular concern in the modern world Uh, is not at all clear. Uh, We've all lived through this past year of extremes of high temperatures, heat waves in places that never had them before, Um, uh, rains in places, intense rains in places that were uh, deserts, uh, droughts in places that were thought to be uh, particularly wet. Uh, And these are all things that one expects uh, to see happening more and more uh, as the greenhouse gases increase in the atmosphere. It it is deeply worrying, Mm -hmm. and uh, potential changes in the ocean circulation are part of those things. Uh, But it's not at all clear that a change in the AMOC is going to dominate the changes in the world right. climate system. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, there is a community uh, that does very interesting work in trying to understand climate of the past, mm-hmm. because that illuminates uh, our understanding of today. And uh, th- that community has to rely on very indirect measurements of the climate. The, 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 the global system of instrumental observations that we have today uh, is only 20 to 30 years old. And uh, prior to that time, there are very few observations, uh, e- even in the modern era. Uh, and of course, as one goes back uh, before the European exploration of the world, there are almost no measurements over much of the world. And Mm. if you go back thousands of years, 
when it's clear the climate was very different. Uh, one is relying upon um, what are really chemical indicators of uh, the climate from uh, drilling into the ice in Greenland and Antarctica, drilling into the seafloor, and then trying to interpret uh, what is seen there in terms of changes in the climate system. We do know that the climate of the past has been very different. There, there were enormous glaciers uh, in uh, North America and in Europe uh, until about 20,000 years ago, which in geological time is very recent. Mm. Uh, we know also from the geological record that there have been periods in which the Earth was far warmer than it is today. Uh, we, we know that from the fact that uh, palm trees were growing in Wyoming, today's Wyoming, mm -hmm. and the dinosaurs were found uh, near the North Pole. So it's quite clear that the climate of the past was radically different from what it is today. Okay. Uh, it's been convenient uh, to attribute much of that change to the AMOC because it makes a nice, simple, memorable story. Hmm. Hmm. But once again, climate is global. Right. And uh, whether a change, let us say, over Asia uh, is more or less important than a change in the surface Atlantic is a serious scientific question to which there is not a simple answer. And so the, the AMOC takes on the role, you might say, almost of a placeholder. Right. You did ask me whether we should be worried about mm. changes in AMOC. And the answer, of course, is yes, because that would be part of a global change in which many things were different, would become different than they are today. Mm. Not just the AMOC. And we could expect um, what we're already seeing, although exaggerated, more heat waves, more intense heat waves, more uh, deluge of rain, rainfall, and uh, more desertification in places that historically were wet. And uh, if all those things happen, and we do expect those things will happen, we worry about the AMOC and changes in it uh, because it will be one component of uh, massive global climate change. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not at all clear that it is going to dominate what we see around the world, but it will be a powerful indicator of uh, changes uh, in the world climate. Uh, it's not obvious that uh, the change would dominate even uh, what happens in the UK or Western Europe or the US because what we see as climate is the result of interactions taking place all, all over the world. And uh, we don't know exactly well, we don't know whether there is going to be some simple indicator, but mm -hmm. we do know that a change in the AMOC 
is likely going to be accompanied by what we've just seen in the past year or two, extremes of drought, extremes of flooding, of heat waves, winter, potential uh, winter uh, cold events of the kind we haven't seen before, of breakdowns in the ecological system, both in the ocean uh, and on land. And so if one, if one did perceive, if one did perceive uh, a change in the AMOC, it will almost surely be accompanied by many other changes around the world. Right. And uh, mm. fingering the AMOC is a nice placeholder mm-hmm. for what is a far more complex system with many elements uh, changing on very different time intervals uh, okay. over the next years, decades, and centuries. All right. So if uh, this is something we should be worried about, uh, I understand you're saying it's a placeholder. How can we make uh, people more aware or raise the awareness of this placeholder? How can we make people more aware hmm. of, of what? Of the Atlantic Ocean current collapse. Oh, well. The potential the, and, the, you know, the, the potential the consequences. Ocean, current, yeah. ocean currents are not going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as I've said, uh, the wind field is the major driver of the currents in the ocean. Secondarily, uh, and many of their properties are set by heating and cooling, evaporation and precipitation from the atmosphere. And all those things will continue to be there. It's possible that the detailed pattern of currents in the ocean will shift. And one worries, for example, about the ecological systems of the ocean, which are dependent upon the regional properties uh, of the circulation of the ocean. Uh, Near where I live, uh, in the east coast of North America, we do know that the ocean is locally warming up and it is having effects on the ecology. Um, one, just one example is that lobsters seem to be moving further north uh, as the water warms. Uh, and one worries that uh, the fisheries will collapse because the local water properties will no longer be conducive uh, to their diets or their needs for oxygen. Uh, So there there are many worries about changes in the ocean circulation, which redistributes oxygen and nutrients around the world and where in different regions, uh, different fish and all kinds of organisms, mammals, down to phytoplankton, exist because of the particular properties of the ocean circulation, which surely will change over the period of global warming. Mm -hmm. Uh, But fingering the AMOC is somehow the key to all that uh, takes away from the attention that should be paid uh, to many other parts of the globe. Uh, what, just one example, uh, 
probably most of your listeners have heard of El Nino. Yes. Which causes a major change in the climate of the eastern tropical Pacific, hmm. uh, Australia, and other parts of the world's ocean. Uh, if El Nino becomes more frequent or less frequent under global warming, uh, there are going to be major changes uh, in the climate around the world, and in the o including the ocean, uh, and its ability to support uh, particular biological communities. Fascinating. It's uh, been very absorbing uh, talking to you. Um, we'd love to uh, learn more about uh, about uh, this phenomena, uh, but our time is up. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, Professor Carlman, for uh, coming on. Sorry, speak louder, please. Right, um, so that was uh, Professor Carl Wunsch who was speaking to us earlier. He's an associate in Earth and Planetary Sciences at Harvard University. Very well-informed, uh, learned uh, gentleman that we were able to uh, speak to uh, to discuss this particular aspect of uh, uh, climate change. Um, when it comes to Islamic teachings, um, well, in Islam, man is given the role of trusteeship uh, over the earth, which is a huge responsibility. Uh, in the past, man had to be careful how he treated his local environment since excessive grazing or agriculture could bring ruin to his livelihood. His knowledge was also limited, but in the event of a disaster, either through ignorance or abuse at least, uh, he could resort to moving elsewhere and start again. Now we should have no excuse for ignorance and we should... Uh, have learned from our past to avoid misuse. But what is worrying is that our responsibility has also increased considerably in line with our ability to use vast amounts of the Earth's resources. The crunch factor is that now the impacts of our behavior are not just local anymore, they are global. If we fail to act in a responsible manner, then we cannot simply relocate because there will be nowhere to go. In Islam, rather than addressing each aspect of climate change individually, the Holy Quran provides a moral framework that facilitates human progress by providing a clear set of principles that benefit man. This is because it is the behavior of a person that can influence not just one, but many spheres of human activity. These include the environment and sustainability, and this is why they are captured in this same framework. Islam also lays great stress on the fact that there is a balance in the universe and that this is a feature of God's creation. In the Holy Quran, we read uh, this verse translated, And the heaven he has raised high and set up a measure, that you may not transgress the measure. So weigh all things in justice, and fall not short of the measure. And this is a verse of the Holy Quran um, in, uh, found in chapter 55, verses 8 to 10. Uh, this makes clear that it is God who is perfect and has out of his grace provided ample resources for all time. But through man's misuse, this balance may change. It is man who will suffer the consequences as a result. And the term measure refers to universal balance, and that is clearly sustainable unless man exceeds uh, or seeks to alter it. 
The need to maintain balance and the requirement to only use what is due to you and not take to what rightfully belongs to others, whether now or in the future, is further emphasized in the following verse in which God also reminds man that while at an individual level he may not live to see the consequences of his actions, he will certainly be held to account for them. And the verse reads, a translation of it reads, Woe unto those who give short measure, those who, when they take by measure from other people, take it full. But when they give by measure to others or weigh to them, they give them less. Do not such people know that they will be raised again unto a terrible day, the day when mankind will stand before the Lord of the worlds? Now, this is a, a translation of the verse of the Holy Ground found yeah, uh, of, uh, in chapter 83, verses of the Holy Ground, uh, chapter uh, 83, verses 2 to 7. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, um, um, has also uh, made certain mention uh, regarding uh, advice and guidance concerning the environment. Um, and what uh, Islam tries to promote is harmony in the environment. And uh, it's considered uh, certain meritorious acts uh, that can be employed to create and promote that harmony. A Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for example, said, if anyone plants a tree or sows uh, a field and men, beasts or birds eat from it, it is considered as a sadhka, act of charity on his part. So why does man act in a manner that threatens to deprive him and others of a harmonious future? The answer is a little surprise. According to the Quran, one of the key underlying motives of such actions is personal greed. For it is greed that takes man away from God and therefore from the balance of nature. If man cares little for God and his teachings, then what care would he have for his fellow beings? The results, this results in man staying focused on his personal gain at the expense of all else. Vying with each other for amassing wealth had made you oblivious, the Quran says in verse 2, chapter 102. Uh, personal greed can also encourage those with resources to squander their wealth, which is a wasteful approach to life as it deprives others who may need these resources. Verily, the extravagant are brothers of Satan, and Satan is ungrateful to his Lord. This is in chapter 17, verse 28. The overall message is, therefore, that Islam promotes harmony by advising moderation. It accepts that we need to use resources for our progress, but this should be done wisely and in a sustainable manner so that a satisfactory medium is found. So we as individuals should act on the Quranic injunction that promotes balance and avoids access, and nations need to be more willing to share knowledge for the sake of the planet rather than for profit and take, take collective action in line with a collective responsibility. Only then do we, do we have hope. By doing so, we will be able to win the pleasure of God and honor our trusteeship of the earth for the present and future generations. So may Allah help us do this. Uh, and with that, I think uh, we can bring this broadcast to a close. It leaves me to thank those people who have been involved in, in this uh, production. 
uh, produ- uh, producer first and foremost, Parida Mansoor and Dr. Saqib uh, Ahmed, both of them are worthy of our thanks, as uh, uh, the researchers, Neha Latif, Basma um, Ambar Latif, Aman Mir, Yusra Khan, and Maha Iftikhar. And thanks also to uh, Muhammad Shafiq, our engineer, who made sure that everything went very smoothly, did a very excellent job in making sure that that was indeed the case uh, and that as far as the technical side of things uh, nothing went uh, awry uh, so it's Islam alaikum from me until uh, next Friday when we will be joined by Imam Tokit and Mir as well uh, from 7 to 9 o'clock is when the broadcast 